Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you up until noon. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today, we haven't taken a look back yet this week on one of the teams, one of the better teams uh, that graced either the hardwood or the gridiron uh, in the state of Iowa's history. So we will take a look back at the winningest team of all time time in Iowa State football, the 2000 uh, Iowa State football team coached by Dan McCarney, led at quarterback by Sage Rosenfels. They had some NFL players on that team. They did. Boy, looking through this roster, looking at the highlights, knew the team was good, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. the most wins in Iowa State football history, but the dudes on this team, that yep. was a heck of a football team. Really was, Trent. Uh, Reggie Hayward and James Reed, part of those mm-hmm. teams. And, of course, they had a couple of freshman receivers. Weren't bad in their own right. And Danielson and Whitfer and uh, uh, Chris Anthony was a big part of that team. That year, I spent the um, – myself and Jeff Holdorf, I was at the point where – I do anything for money, <laughs> uh, you know. As a child support paying father, uh-huh. right? And I'm not begrudging that. It was my uh, that was my obligation. But I, any chance to make a little extra cash, I did. And I was doing Jeff Oldorf and I were doing a cyclone themed show on Thursday nights at a cyclone bar in Johnston called the Nest. The Nest. The Nest. I don't know if it's still there or not. Uh, I only did it one year. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, the food was good. The beer was cold. They had they had great big. I don't know what you call to call them. I don't know, pint class. Anyways, it was right up my alley, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to get a beer that you have to reorder every five minutes. I'm going to put one in front of you, and you, you're going to clobber that thing. And uh, so, but uh, it was fun, and that was the that was a fun year in Iowa State the sports history with the basketball yes. and with the football. Uh, that was a, a good year to do that. But um, yeah, I remember the team pretty well, pretty well actually. Because I mean, look at they never won a bowl game, right? In history, and they would end that, and they'd never won that many football games, and they would end that, and uh, it was a fun year. They would get to uh, the Insight Bowl and win their first ever bowl game, beating Pitt. Um, what by ten points or something like that, if memory serves. Yeah, I uh, got down early in that game. That's a uh, one I remember. I watched that one with my stepdad up at the bar in New Hampton. I was home for Christmas break, so remember watching that, but. Outside of it, you know, I don't have a ton of memories just because I was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. I was in Iowa City and wasn't watching a whole lot of Cyclone football in comparison. And uh, we couldn't but, see them all. That, to that's be fair. another thing. What I want to uh, go back memory lane when we get Sage on here in about 15, 20 minutes is that Nebraska game. Yep. Number one, Nebraska, yep. undefeated Iowa State. You look at the final score, all right, well, Nebraska kind of did what you expected. It was 21-20 going in the fourth quarter. It was. Now, Nebraska explodes for four touchdowns Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter, but that was a game going into the fourth quarter, Uh and and just memories of that game. Eight and three, regular season, nine and three after the bowl victory. Was there an outcrying, too, in your memory? Boy, we get sent to Phoenix. You have an eight no, and three season. I, I don't recall that being the case. I recall, I mean, Cyclone fans just happy. Yeah, they look. Yeah. Ab- absolutely, were happy. And then to win, I know a bunch of them, Trent, that were actually they rushed the field uh, after the game. Really, and actually, I, I know a couple of them that brought clods of turf home on the plane. <laughs> now, I don't know if they've still got them. 
Um, From the Bob, right? The Bank One Ballpark? That's Bank One Ballpark. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the game was, uh, I don't know, it was after Christmas. I, I don't remember the exact date, but it was uh, It was a fun night. We, were, we did, the, uh, did the show down at the Nest. And in the following week, somebody brought the trophy. Oh, really? The Insight.com Bowl trophy to the bar in Cyclone fans. Uh, a lot of them came out and got their picture taken with the trophy. Uh, the good old days of the jock. Do you know what uh, Insight.com still to this day does? No. I have no idea either. No, I don't. I mean, they've they been a bull sponsor. I've got to think that they were. You know what? I just assumed they were a computer company of some sort, but I don't know the answer. What we do, I'm looking at their website right now. Manage all your procurement products and services with an account on Insight.com. Well, apparently it's worked out for them because they've been uh, they've been sponsoring the bowl yes. for some time now, and uh, it's a pretty good uh, twenty year run. But uh, the, the, look, the, the turning point to me in the football game, it started to get a little dicey, and then uh, uh, Billups, Jermaine Billups, oh, there's Bill- a good yeah, one. Uh, Omaha kid, isn't he? Yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, I believe he is an Omaha kid. Uh, the long punt return, as you mentioned, Iowa State fell down early. Uh, Antonio Bryan was a really good player, receiver. Uh, he scored on a long, long touchdown pass. But then Iowa State got going, took the lead, took a big lead into the locker room. Um, Pitt came back a little bit before Iowa State and Billups with that long punt return kind of salted it away. And Iowa State will win their first bowl game. So Sage Rosenfels coming up to opine on that season uh, here in about 10 minutes or thereabouts. Uh, we do have Cappy today. It's Wednesday, so David Kaplan is part of the program. We'll get to Cappy at about oh, 10.35, 10.40-ish. We had to tape Cappy's. We do uh, every Wednesday at 8.35 because he's on the radio in Chicago as we speak. Cappy joins the program. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible. Governor Kim Reynolds scheduled to speak at 11 o'clock, we anticipate, although to be fair, we anticipated uh, that she would announce further openings yesterday. She is apparently going to do that today. Remains to be seen if that's still on. We will find out when everybody finds out with uh, uh, in about an hour when Kim Reynolds joins the program. And then we'll talk NFL because there's a lot percolating in both MLB and NFL, but Vinny Iyer is going to be here on the NFL. Uh, as we saw yesterday, California is basically shut down down their university-controlled colleges, uh, or their state-run colleges, mm-hmm. rather, universities. So what does that mean? That's not USC and UCLA yet, but that's coming, apparently. Um, and have you seen, as there's a game scheduled, Alabama-USC to open up the season? Right. Also that week, TCU is supposed to go out to Cal Berkeley. Uh-huh. Well, well, they're not going there. Alabama, TCU, and Jerry World? I'll put those two schools together. Yes. See, I gotta think the Pac-12 is going to play. I'm just not good, sure they're going to play in the state of California, where the Pac-12, for the most part, resides. We'll see. We'll see. Um, look, we're we're in the middle. We're not even at the middle of May. We don't know. We don't know. If you would follow our Twitter account at Miller and Condon, you would have known that news as I retweeted it last uh, night. How about that? I know you like to stay under 200 follows. Come on, you can't give our show account a follow. No, I don't. <laughs> Why is it two hundred? I don't know what Why that is number is. Why is it a two fifty? I don't know. And you know what? When I do get to when I do follow some people that I want to follow, I have to purge. Why? Somebody comes in. Somebody's got to go. I just like the number being under two hundred. You have no justification. I have no, of no that. justification. I just want to stay under two hundred because it clogs it up too much. You're a weird duck. Yeah, but that doesn't your timeline? How many people do you follow? Uh just shy five hundred. Doesn't your timeline just get like overrun at some points? No, not really. Okay. I mean, well, I've got that. I've got. Uh, I want to stay under two hundred. Here's a question, maybe for another day. When do you delete deceased people from your contacts in your iPhone? Because I've got four of them. I counted four. on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Right. Yeah. But when do you delete them? 
you know, unfortunately, a name, Larry Kotler, when he passed yeah. away, and the reason, and it, it just was that eerie feeling because his phone number had the same 515. The next three numbers were of one of my fo- close friends. So when I type in that number, it would pop up right. Oh, and yeah. every and it just it got to that point where it's just that eerie feeling every single time you're typing in a buddy's number, had to delete it out of there. I, probably times now. I mean, you got time, right? Yeah, I guess I just don't know what the what the. I mean, I'll never. I'm not going to delete my dad. Yeah, you know, yeah. What, what, how much would you give to see Dad show up on your caller ID? Right, right. I I don't know. I don't know where we how we got here. I have no idea. Well, but. another kind of freaky thing with that is on Facebook, you'll get a lot of the spam accounts, and there's a way where people can basically take your profile pic and start an account with your name. Really? But it's not really you, and it's actually a spam account. And that happened with uh, my wife's grandpa, who passed away last year. And, and it was he one showed of those, up on Facebook? Well, and it was one of those spam accounts. He had a Facebook account, but then the spam account showed up, and, and trying to delete that and get that off there. And you have a friend request from somebody that's deceased? That's that's a weird one. Mm-hmm. That, that's odd when that comes across. Yeah, kind of that, that same kind of vein, and you see that pop up, and well, you know that's not right. <laughs> They're not with us anymore. Yeah, I know. Anyways... Um should we start over? This <laughs> has been a, a meandering nine yeah, minutes. Yeah, it really has the first ten minutes of the program. Looking forward to talking to Sage Rosenfels about that 2000 uh, season. Uh, looking forward to talking Vinny Iyer to wrap things up on, on the NFL. Uh, the, the Rams, the Chargers, the Niners. Mm-hmm. Trent, I don't know if they're going to be able to play in their home state or not. What does that mean? Does Vegas host a couple of them? Um you know where where do the Niners go? Do they move up to CenturyLink to play some of their home games? They've got uh, artificial surface. I looked at what's the um, University of Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. The Cardinal Stadium. Um, they have remember they've got the they've got the natural grass that you actually that they bring move in. out. Yeah, yeah, under the elements uh, during the daytime, and you bring it back in at night or whatever. Uh, could be vice versa. I don't know what they do, but they've got natural. I don't know if they if uh, that field would take an NFL pounding week after week. I don't know. I remember at times kind of hearing about the field, and it's been really hot. They've been watering it, but and some problems with that. You figure it's certainly not going to be the same kind of grass that you can grow in many other climates that aren't the desert, like you're in in Arizona, and the difficulty that would arise there. And if you're doing that. It, Whatever team, take the Chargers, take the Rams, take the Niners. Do you just move the whole operation, or great question? It's all right. We're going to we're going to play in Vegas and we're yeah. going to live in Vegas, and right. that's where it's going to be for the next six months. Is that something that makes more sense than having to go back and forth and fly mm-hmm. back and forth to play your home games in those venues? It's going to be an incredibly difficult proposition. What I've learned as well, the flight's only thirty minutes from L.A. So, that's but, good, but still, but still, it's the you know, but it's still the a flight, right? Yeah, you're still hopping in there, and you You're have to load the equipment, yes, and, yeah, and go in that direction. The optimism, NBA sounded great. Hearing everything mm-hmm. that came out, player meeting, you had LeBron in there, mm-hmm. nine other guys. Chris Paul was the one that directed the phone call, got the stars of the league together. They want to play. But the to, owners, to the playoff, to the non-playoff, I mean, Golden State, Minnesota, yeah, yeah. no shot. Would they come back, or would you just start the playoffs? If you're getting money. And we but still have that element. how motivated are non-playoff teams going to be to get to the end of the season? You know, to get back in shape and to go through this for 50, when there's nothing to play for, essentially. There's no hope. That but if it's another qualify. five games and you're going to get a full check out of that, it's pretty motivating. Yeah, okay, for some. Yeah, for some. And you know what? Then Even if the you're not that motivated to, to work out, you can still go collect that check. Yeah, yeah.
Now, there's going to be people that are going to be against it. There's going to be players. I'm sure the story will be coming whenever we get that first official news from one of the big sports that, eh, I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And that will be a story. But for the most part, you're going to hear a majority of the players are ready to get back, ready to get in it. Then you have the baseball side. And this back and forth this that ugly, continues. Jack. It's it's not a good look. No, not at all. Especially in the I mean these times, right? All the mm-hmm. how many how many people have been laid off? Is it thirty million? Yeah, something like that. Unemployment, a bunch of yeah, furloughed, huge, um, huge pay cuts. A lot, a lot of people still yeah. have their jobs, but have taken a pay cut. Uh, it, there's so many circumstances, and then you see billionaires fighting with millionaires, and you 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 know really throw your hands up and say, "Come yeah, on, precisely, figure it out." Yeah, get it done and, and entertain us, after all. Uh, so it, it seems like that's moving in the right direction. The college football news from um, from yesterday as far as the state of California. Arizona's open today. This yes, is really yes. something to watch, I think, because if... You know, if those people, if the science is right, they anticipate that by opening, you know, this is is not going to go well. We'll see another wave. If the science is wrong, then maybe this Arizona is going to lead the way for everybody to play football in California to uh, rethink their decision. Anyways, uh, we'll get a break. We will get, say, Drosenfels in here. Uh, David Kaplan coming up at about 1035, the governor of the state of Iowa. We'll join the program, but right now, Kay, we had another winner. Well, we didn't. Uh, WHO yes. had a winner yesterday Simon evening. Show. Simon Show afternoon drive had a winner on WHO. But KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword cash to two hundred two hundred right now. It's your chance to win a thousand dollars cash. That's cash to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Sage Rosenfels on the 2000 Iowa State football team when Miller and Condon continue its Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO 106. In building. I know. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Station 1460 KXNO. David Kaplan from Chicago coming up here in about 15 minutes. Roshan Corporation sponsors our look back at some of the best teams uh, in the state of Iowa, whether it be on the hardwood or on the gridiron. In the spotlight today, the 2000 Iowa State football team coached by Dan McCarney. Uh, this was a team that was 4-7 and seven the year before. Iowa State had never won a bowl game coming into this season. They would. They'd finish with nine wins, nine wins, three losses to this day. Uh, that is the record for most wins at Iowa State. He's the quarterback. He's Sage Rosenfels. You can hear Sage uh, throughout the college football season season with Ross and Chris and Chuck Long on the Monday evening quarterback uh, on Monday nights. So Sage, uh, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, thanks for coming on, Sage Rosenfels. How's things? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on this morning. And, uh, you know, kids have the last couple days of school here uh, over in Omaha, Nebraska, where I live. And my son has already graduated. He is done. Wow. Uh, hope, hoping to have some sort of graduation ceremony possibly later this summer. That would be nice. But, uh, Winding down school and then trying to figure out what am I going to do with my kids all summer. Uh, thinking some camp, thinking maybe some camping trips. Uh, things that we haven't done a lot in the past. Maybe we can change it up and and uh, probably won't be in so many gyms and uh, uh, dance competitions and things like normal. So 
Uh, I, I'm looking for a little bit of a change of pace this summer. Well, let's go back. Let's go with a way back machine, 20 years uh, to 2000. You know, you're 4-7 the year before, Sage. When did it dawn on you or when did it become apparent to you, whether it be, you know, during the winter workouts or during spring ball or the month of August, did you at any point uh, realize, you know, this could be a pretty good team. We could be, we could have something special here. Well, you know, the full seven season, which was my junior season, 1999, uh, that, that season could have very easily been a seven, four, even eight and three season. There were a whole bunch of ball games that were extremely close. Uh, you know, we lost to Texas. I think it was something like 44, 41. There were a couple other games in there. Kansas State, we were up 28 to seven uh, around halftime and they came storming back. Uh, so there were some really close uh, a loss. I think Colorado, uh, we, we should have won Colorado that year, but really even going back, you know, my freshman year was 1996. Uh, we won two games. Uh, my sophomore, or, or I'm sorry, my redshirt freshman year, we won one game. Mm. We were one of the worst teams in college football, then, then three games, then four. So it wasn't just this four and seven team. It was, you know, these years of, of not having, and really decades for Iowa State, not having good football teams, but we knew in that four and seven campaign that we were really, really close. It's just a couple plays here and there. And that was really our focus all off, all off season. And you talk about the, the winter workouts, the, the, the spring ball, the training camp. We knew how to, we had a quality football team. We had good players. We could play right down the wire with pretty much anybody. Uh, you know, we, we had the athletes. We had the linemen. We just had to make those key plays in the football games. And that was really our focus. Uh, you know, that off season, that summer is, uh, you know, when, when the game is on the line, somebody has to make a play and, and go make that play yourself. And fortunately for, for our football team, a lot of guys made those plays time and time again. Our, our senior year, we had probably just as many close games in the nine and three season. We just happened to make those plays when it mattered most. Sage, I want to ask you about the fifth game of the season. You get off to a four and zero start. You beat Iowa again in Kinnick Stadium. Feeling good, but it is... Number one, Nebraska. The build-up to that mm-hmm. game, the Cornhuskers coming in in a game where it was 21-20 going into the fourth quarter. You guys went toe-to-toe with one of the great Nebraska teams. We did. And you know what's crazy is my neighbor four houses away is Eric Crouch, who was the quarterback <laughs> on that football team. <laughs> nice. uh, and two years later won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. So, you know, how how life is odd sometimes. Uh, but, um, um, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was obviously a huge game. That was sort of the... I guess near the end, uh, coming to the end of the Nebraska, you know, dominance in the in the Big Twelve Conference and just nationally, you know, where they're always a top five team, regularly playing the Big Twelve Championship game, regularly, uh, you know, getting to uh, around the the the, uh, the national championship conversation. They were ranked number one at the time, and uh, we we played really well. It was a freezing game. I believe it was like October fifth or something was the date. And it snowed during the game. There was flurries going on during the game. There was a wind coming straight out of the north, straight out of the Jacobson building, probably 30 miles an hour. I tried to throw a Hail Mary at the end of the first half, and I think I threw a total of about 28 yards or something <laughs> uh, against that wind. The ball broke up. You know, I didn't throw a tight spiral. The ball broke up, and it was like a nasty punt. You know, so But, yeah, we had him right down the wire at the end, and, and uh, we got the ball to start the fourth quarter. We tried a double pass with Lane Danielson, one of our uh, young wide receivers, and and uh, that didn't go well. I ended up getting intercepted, and and, and uh, you know the twenty twenty one twenty went to twenty eight twenty, and then next you know they scored again, and 
and uh, and, and we, we couldn't come back. So it was a really, really good football game. I think even in that loss, that's one of those losses that you go, you know, and, and we had some of those the year before, but it, you have losses like that, and you go, you know, we can play with anybody. If we just took Nebraska toe-to-toe, and really almost Nebraska's type of weather, you know, with the option offense and the things that they were running in that nasty weather, we could play uh, that style with that football team. We can play against uh, the other teams in this conference and, 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 and beat them. And, and so even in that loss, it gave us confidence. And, and we, you know, we, we weren't 5-0, we were 4-1, and one, but, uh, uh, you know, really uh, finished the season strong and, and with some great wins at the end. Even when we got bowl eligible, we got to 6-1, and one, but we really, we really wanted to not be one of those teams that got into a bowl game at 6-5. and five. We only right. played 11 regular season games back then, but we didn't want to be one of those 6-5 and five teams. We wanted to be at least 7-4, and 8-3, you know, one of those teams that did go to a, to a sort of a real bowl game, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and we end up getting those those eight regular season wins. Now it's the, uh, the inside.com bowl and, and that uh, great win uh, we had down there in Arizona. Yeah, I'll get to the pit game in a second. You know, Sage, uh, and you were bowl eligible before the calendar turned from October to November uh, as well. Trent asked me at the beginning of the show, if, if I recall, um, was there disappointment that it was the insight bowl that was your – Destiny. I don't remember that being the case at, at eight and three. Inside Bowl, it was rel- it might have been might have been its first year. I think it was its first year at Bank One. Uh, but was there disappointment that Phoenix and the destination was the Insight.com? I don't recall it. Was there? No, no. I think we we loved that uh, uh, appointment, uh, and, and we loved that it was going to be uh, you know at the Insight.com. I think it was the Copper Bowl before that, okay. which was a fairly well known yep. game for a long, long time, and you know of course. This is before when, when every bowl game had this big sponsor. So basically, I think Insight pretty much took over the bowl game and sponsored it. But it was really cool playing at Bank One Ballpark where the Arizona Diamondbacks play in this sort of indoor, outdoor stadium. You know, that was new back then, one of the first uh, stadiums to do something like that. But I think we were, we were excited uh, to get one. We knew we were going to have great weather, right? You don't always yeah. know you're going to have great weather in, say, Memphis or, uh, you know, uh, in, in um, you know, like for the for the Liberty Bowl uh, or some of these other bowl games, you're not guaranteed that, and you're also not guaranteed to have you know a big city uh, or whatever. But we were really excited to be in Arizona, and obviously the the, the Iowa State fans traveled down there, uh, you know, like it was uh, driving from Des Moines to, to Omaha. I mean, we had you know we had twenty five thousand fans at that game at least. It was absolutely incredible, complete home field advantage, and then being a, a really perfect place. Uh, for us to go have a bowl game. We stayed in an amazing hotel. Uh, you know, again, some of those things that you get from the really big cities, the really big markets, we got all that. It felt like, and, we, and the thing is, at the same time, uh, Notre Dame was playing, I believe it was maybe Oregon State uh, with, you know, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco mm. on that Oregon State team. But I think they are playing the Fiesta Bowl at the same time, and it was like the same committees. Yep. So we got some of those same uh, sort of Fiesta Bowl uh, um uh, 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 things that they got to do that we got to do also. So, you know, we, we, we got treated uh, like kings a little bit for that week, and it was one of the great experiences of my life. Had some dudes on that team that you're throwing the football to and handing off to, of course, of course with Enos Haywood. But J.J. Moses, just remembering back, this little guy out there always seemed to find a way to get open. How nice was it to have a security blanket like that? Oh, yeah. J.J. was such a rare college athlete and, and college football player. As you said, yeah, obviously he was short. He was 5'6", maybe 5'7". 
um, but tremendous quickness, really good speed, but his quickness was off the charts, and nobody could keep up with him. You know, for, for a quarterback, you want to have wide receivers who can get separation. It doesn't really matter how fast you are. It's your ability to separate from your defenders. You know, I played in the NFL for, for a lengthy time, and, and at one point with Wes Welker, the longtime mm, slot wide yeah. receiver, and, and he wasn't super fast. I don't think he ran a 4 or 5 40, but, man, he could get away from people, and J.J. could do that. And, and for a quarterback, that gives you more room for air. It gives you more uh, – you're, you're more comfortable throwing the ball to the guys that you know will get away from from their defenders. And so he was also electric with the ball in his hands. We didn't just throw him the ball. We – Gave it to him on reverses. He was our punt returner. He was our kickoff uh, returner many times. So he was one of those electric players. You just want to get the ball in his hands, you know, 12 to 15 times a game. He wasn't a traditional running back, but, uh, you know, he could just make things happen. And, uh, and, and defenders had, in the defenses that we played against, they really had to prepare for him. And, and not only that, when he was short, he played taller than he was. I mean, he had great a leaping ability and to go, to go up and snag the ball out of the air. He did not play like he was five, seven and, uh, and played much bigger than that. And, and, uh, you know, and, and he was a you know, very, very valuable to our football team. And obviously born in, and grow up, grown up in the state of Iowa, up in Waterloo. And, and his dad was also legendary high school player and one of the all-time big recruits at Iowa State. Sage, you have a minute left. Take us into the locker room at the end of the game. Of course, Billups has scored on that punt return. It started to get a little dicey at the end, but you guys would prevail uh, in, in comfortable fashion. Uh, in the locker room after the game, do you remember McCartney saying anything special? Uh, in a minute left, what was the winning locker room like as you captured Iowa State's mm-hmm. first bowl victory? You know, I don't. I don't remember it all that well. You know, this is you know the pre-cell phone type of stuff or, or early cell phone. They didn't have great cameras on them. I you know there's probably only a couple, you know, video cameras, uh, old school video cameras in the room at that time. I'd love to see that footage, but you know, for me, you know, four and a half years at Iowa State and, and four of those years not winning very many football games, and seemed like every win we had my senior year and, and the bowl game no different. Uh, it was a lot of relief for me uh, and a lot, and I think a lot of my teammates. We worked so incredibly hard to try to uh, turn that program from one of the worst programs in college football to a nine-win program. It takes a lot of work, a lot of, you know, the, the hard workouts and wear conditioning and try to overcome and coming back from bad losses of getting beat by 30, 40 points uh, uh, to, you know, some of the top teams in college football in the Big 12. So it seemed like every win I had, it didn't always feel great. It felt like more like relief, you know, being Iowa my senior year in, in, in Kinnick, uh, going to Colorado and getting that bowl game. Uh, you, you, we wanted it so bad. And sometimes when you want something so bad, you finally get it. It doesn't feel great. It feels more like, uh, you know, thank God that actually happened. And, and, uh, and I think we all really earned it. We did it the old fashioned way. There was nothing, uh, pretty about it. Uh, we didn't have five recruits, and we, we, it was old school, uh, beat them up football with, with offensive line, defensive line play, and uh, I was just relieved. And, I, you know, you really wanted to win that bowl game. We knew Iowa State had never won a bowl game, and obviously had never uh, won, nine, had not won nine games before. So, uh, you know, and, and for me as the quarterback, I always felt like I probably reaped the most rewards of anybody mm. in that football building that year we're talking coaches i mean coach mack on extension of course he reaped some good rewards there but uh, uh but you know players coaches 
you know, I was like a 52% passer with eight touchdowns my senior year. You know, Brock Purdy does that in two games, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, with, with, with this offense, right? So it was a different way back then. But, you know, for me to, to be the, the quarterback of that football team, to be able to lead those guys, be a captain on that team, one of the great honors of my life. And, and really, uh, you know, th- that season gave me so much that allowed me to, uh, you know, be one of those guys to, to make it to the National Football League and, 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 and help me have that career. Sage, great uh, reliving the 2000 Iowa State football team, a 9-3 and three season that uh, stands as a record, nine wins to this day. Sage, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having me this morning. Good to talk to you. Sage Rosenfels, quarterback from Iowa State. All right, we'll take a timeout. And uh, thank you to Roshan yes. Corporation, presenting sponsor of our great teams in state history as we continue to look back. Thursday, Friday, we'll get a Hawkeye team in here and uh, sprinkling a few ideas, getting back into Drake and you and I, looking back at some of those seasons. Uh, we've done the Drake basketball team from just over a decade ago with Adam mm-hmm. Emenecker, the U and I team that gets to the Sweet 16 on basketball, but a few others I want to uh, start to go down that rabbit hole a little bit deeper and had a suggestion on Twitter. Oh, this is probably about a month back. Maybe a wrestling team. Maybe the, uh, I think, a 97 Iowa wrestling team. See if we can get Dan Gable on. That'd be fun. You'll, uh, I'll lean on you. Thank you to Roshan Corporation. Helping you with your commercial construction needs, varying from small space remodels to large-scale projects. You can find them online, RoshanIA.com. That's RoshanIA for Roshan Corporation. Cappy from Chicago. Next, Centurion Stone sponsors Centurion Stone of Iowa. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO. Old whiskey of the year. Welcome back as we continue on. Good luck there at the 2000 Iowa State football team, 9-3. and three. But let's move on, shall we? Off we go to Chicago. He's David Kaplan. He's sponsored by Centurion Stone of Iowa. And Cap joins us on the program. Cap, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. You know, let's start with baseball. Obviously, last dance, we're going to get into it as well. But, Cap, there seems to be some movement towards MLB. It may not turn out this week to be the best look for both the players and the owners negotiations amongst billionaire owners and millionaire players. Uh, Not going to go over right now, but it is what it is, right? It's a product of these big money sports, but not a good look at the same time considering everything, Cap. Yeah, for me, it's not a good look for either side. The owners made a deal in March. The players signed off quickly on it, and boom, here we go. Now, the virus determines everything, and we can all agree on that. We don't know exactly what is going to happen today, tomorrow. I mean, yesterday here in Illinois, we had the most number of cases reported that we've had since this whole thing started. So I completely understand that the owners are saying things have changed. What I don't understand is, A, that the players don't want to play ball at least negotiate. Already we're hearing we're not. That's a non-starter. We're not going to do that. We already made a deal. We're going to live up to that. No, the deal actually could change. What I don't understand from the owner's side is, okay, we want you to be a 50-50 partner. We'll 
split everything down the middle after expenses, blah, blah, blah. That's fine, but then open your books up. We have never, ever been in this situation, but we've never had them open their books. And when I say open their books, I'm not talking about the Cubs, the White Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Braves, whoever it is. Not just their baseball books. Are you going to open up the books to the revenue outside the walls, like when the Cubs have a soccer match there? They don't have to share that revenue. Or a football game like Northwestern played Illinois there. They don't have to share that revenue. Concerts don't have to share that revenue. How about the hotel across the street? How about the bars you bought up in the rooftops? That's all other revenue. It's called revenue outside the walls. But it also goes to the bottom line of the Chicago Cubs. So you want to tell me you're going to get crushed and you're going to lose $150 million? Okay. Open your books up. Let me see everything. It's a scary proposition, certainly on each side, is the negativity, as Ken mentioned, that certainly can surround this. Billionaires fighting with millionaires over money when people, they just want something. They want some kind of escape. How quickly do you think this can come together? Are we talking about a long, drawn-out process between the two sides? Yeah, it's, it's a bad look when we have people who are listening right now that we can't go to the store and buy that to eat because it's too expensive. We've got to save money. We don't have, whether they lost their job, whether their stimulus check is running out. Like, I have kids that lost their jobs. They got their stimulus check, and it was a huge deal for them. And I try to help them as much as I can as well. But there are people listening right now that are in a bad spot and don't know if they're going to have their business or their job back, and they hear someone say, yeah, no, i got to have $12 million because I was supposed to make 24 You said you'd give me 50 i got to have 12 And the owners are going, no, we actually need to cut that down further. You're still going to make millions, but we're cutting it down for not nah, Not going to go for that. It's just a bad look for everybody. Uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. Cappy, uh, let's leave the economics uh, aside. Uh, the proposal itself, do you like the fact that it seems like the you know the National League Central is going to play themselves and they'll play a whole lot of games against the American League Central? Cubs, White Sox will see each other a bunch. Uh, Indians are down. The Twins are going to be a factor. The White Sox are on the rise. But if indeed this is the course that, that is Major League Baseball takes, playing the American League Central seems like uh, something that you know, Cubs fans, Cardinal fans, uh, they would sign up for in a heartbeat. Yeah, I would love it. And I hope that if we do have the unilateral or universal, is the right word, DH, let's yep. keep it forever. Love it. If the Cubs and White Sox are going to start playing meaningful games, I'm not talking about two here, two there, and then see you next year. Like, whoa, we're going to play 18 times, nine at Wrigley, nine at guaranteed rate, all in. It would make it amazing and it would make the rivalry that much more intense again. Because, like, I'm a Cubs fan. I don't hate the White Sox. And when they don't play the Cubs, I hope they win. One of my best friends is an executive over there. I have a great relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf and Rick Hahn and Rick Renteria I've had on a billion times. I love that guy. He's one of the nicest men in the world. I'm a Cubs fan. I root for the Cubs. But if you tell me 19, 18, 20 times, we're playing them, whoa, that's going to be intense, and that would be great for the sport and for this city. 
it's going to be expanded rosters. It looks like 30 has been a number that's been bandied about, but then the taxi teams on top of it. What what does that mean, if anything, do you know about the minor league side of things? Obviously here in Des Moines, we're worried about the Iowa Cubs, West 10, you know, down at A, on and on and on. When you look at these other leagues and what's going to happen, is it all the extra guys going to be hanging out in Chicago? Are they going to be at the spring training facility? How does that play out? Well, what I keep hearing is there's going to be like a 30-man roster as opposed to 26, and then there'll be a 10-man taxi squad, which I would assume they would be here in Chicago or wherever the team's playing. But are they truly going to fly 40 guys? I, I don't know how that's going to work. Now, with Iowa being a car ride away, you could theoretically have those 10 taxi squad guys playing for the Iowa Cubs. And again, I'm just speculating here. I don't have any inside info because it hasn't been decided yet. But you could have those 10 guys playing in Iowa. And then, oh boy, John Lester felt something in his groin. Or Kyle Hendricks threw more pitches than we thought. So we need a pitcher up here. Make the call. Get in the car. Drive from Des Moines and get to Chicago. So I think that's probably how it will work. But they haven't even gotten to that point yet. Cap, if they are targeting July 4th weekend, the 3rd is the Friday, um, don't you think that they need to have some sort of revolution by Memorial Day weekend? I mean, the, the next week, for we're into June, for crying out loud, if they want to have any spring training. Cap, there's not a lot of room on this calendar to get these uh, things worked out. No, there isn't. There are not a lot of days before they have to make a decision, and it's, you know, blank or get off the pot, as we like to say. Yep. 100% agree with you, but I also think, as Jeff Passan said, I was listening to him on Golic and Wingo, and he said, here's what's going to happen, and he wrote this on ESPN.com. What he thinks is going to happen is going to get really ugly, and both sides are going to go, we're out, that's it, mm-hmm. they're unreasonable. The other side is going to go, they're unreasonable, but then cooler heads are going to prevail, and when we get to the 11th hour, these guys and gals are going to go, hang on a second. We've got a country in an unprecedented time. We have a pandemic where we literally have people that don't know how they're going to pay their bills that are calling mortgage companies going, can I have, you know, 90 days to come up with the next mortgage? And, you know, from what I've been told, the banks and everybody are doing the best that they can. But we're in a horrible time. And we're going to let billionaire owners and millionaire players whine about the money, figure this stuff out and i think it will get figured out cap let's get into the last dance as we watched episode seven and eight on sunday night and the end of episode seven it's one i I think that people continue to talk about michael jordan talking about his teammates talking about him as a teammates and as he's breaking up he says break and walks away from the camera camera just what, what a riveting moment that was yeah i love that moment my favorite moment probably was the one where Tim Grover started breaking up. And I know Tim very well. And Tim said that they got eliminated by Orlando. And he said, all right, Mike, have some, take some time for yourself. Call me when you're ready to get to work. And Michael said, I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. He said because he had to change his body from a baseball body back to a basketball yeah. body. And that's a big deal. A. B. He said that Michael, my favorite quote, I tweeted it and it, gotten, I don't know, 3,000 likes on it. Everyone agreed. It was maybe the best moment for me when he said, Michael Jordan felt that if someone's going to give three hours of their evening after working all day to watch him on TV 
or they're going to save their money and go watch him play with their kids, he owed them, A, to play every game, B, to give them 110% every single time he stepped on the court. And he called BS on load management and all the nonsense we see today. Mm -hmm. And anybody that thinks LeBron James is the number one player of all time ahead of Michael Jordan is out of their freaking mind. Uh, I, I'm with you, Cap. It's a great debate, but I, I'm clearly with you. What, I've got a two-parter for you, Cap. Uh, do you know Mark Vansel, who's been who's had a uh, a, a role That's in this show well. in most uh, a lot of the episodes? And then what he said after the '92 season, somewhere around the Olympics, when Jordan apparently was thinking very seriously then of walking away from the game, but realized that Bird and Magic had never won three in a row, and that brought him back for the '93 season. What was the connection between Vansel? And Jordan, seemingly they were pretty close. They're still exceptionally close. Exceptionally. Like, in the earlier episode when Michael played golf with Danny Ainge, remember that yep. part? Yeah. Mark Vansel was the fourth in that foursome. <laughs> um, when I was scouting in the league, and I would be at Bulls practice, because I in 86-87 I was working for Jerry Krause, and so I would be around a lot at the Multiplex, which is a health club in Deerfield, Illinois, and that's where they'd practice. They would rent the court. They literally, the Bulls would walk onto the floor, and there'd be, you know, 10 guys playing pickup from Deerfield, Highland Park, Northbrook, and they'd be like, hey, Irving, you got to get off the court. The Bulls are practicing now. Like, that's how different things were. <laughs> now they get these multi-million dollar facilities. Mark Vansel was the beat writer for the Sun-Times. Okay. Mark Vansel was one of the best guys to deal with, and the players trusted him implicitly because if they told him something like today like i'm around the cubs all the time so i have a relationship and i can get anthony rizzo or whoever on the phone but it's different man they limit your access to the players because of social media the players are so guarded on how much they're going to tell you mark vansel got really tight with michael michael trusted him they did a book rare air that mark made a fortune on and he walked away from the beat writer gig and has worked a lot with Michael on different projects. And He's an excellent writer, but he's a better person. Cap, was there something to the, the story that he told about after the 92 season that Jordan was apparently was thinking seriously of, of leaving the game at that point, but Magic and Bird had won three straight, and, and, and Jordan wanted to, or had never won three straight, and Jordan wanted to you know, claim, that, uh, claim that mantle, if you will. Uh, what, is, is that a true story? 100%. Michael had told just those in his inner, inner circle, and Mark being one of those guys, that, hey, man, I'm burned out. I'm tired of dealing with everything I do. If I sign 100 autographs, number 101 doesn't get an autograph. I get ripped. Everywhere I go. Like, he had to call the grocery store and say, okay, you guys close at 11. I'll be there at 11.15, close the doors so I can shop. Because they literally, he couldn't walk through a grocery store without 40, 50, 60 people. I read a great story from Roy Green. Remember Roy Green, the wide receiver? Sure. Okay, Roy Green is one of Michael's best friends. Roy Green said, Michael's taking me on some amazing trips. He goes, we go to Ireland and Scotland. There were 13 or 14 guys go over there and play golf. And Michael puts them all on his jet. He said, we get done playing 54 holes, and Michael goes, let's go get a beer. And they're like, uh, yeah, there's one place, and it's going to be dead. There's nobody in there. 
And Michael goes, that's perfect. <laughs> so they're like, okay, we'll make our own fun. They go to the bar. They're the only ones in there. Roy Green said within an hour, they have to have police called because <laughs> it's body to body in Ireland. Like they found out Michael Jordan's here. He said they came from all over the countryside because Michael Jordan's there that we had to leave. We couldn't stay. He said, and I finally got a glimpse of what it's truly like to be him. You literally can't go to a movie. And again, he's a billionaire many times over, and nobody's going to cry for Michael Jordan. But that was what his life was like. So when he got a Mark Vansel, he trusted on the feet, or a Roy Green, or a Rod Higgins. Like, Michael's inner, inner circle is exceptionally small. We'll finish out and get you out on this cap uh, to the here and now with the NBA. And after yesterday's calls, uh, both the players, 10 players getting together on a call, and, of course, the owners, it feels like momentum swinging back the other way of getting this NBA season in some fashion played again. Where do you sit? Uh, I do think they're going to play. I do think they're going to figure this out, just like I said to you, and we'll figure all of this out. Uh, it'll get done. It's just health has to be the number one concern here. And if a player says, hey, man, I don't care if you pay me $100 million a year, I'm not playing because of my health. I'm scared. God bless them. Just don't tell me that the only thing I don't want to hear from a player is, well, my salary's $10 million. <laughs> They want to cut it 50%, and if you'll cut it only 40%, I'll play. Well, then you're not worried about your health. If the money is the number one thing, then you're not worried about your health. If you don't want to play, if Mike Trout says, I make $38 million a year or whatever his number is, I don't care. I'm not playing. I've got enough money. I'm worried about my wife who's pregnant and is due in June. I want to be able to be alive for my baby. I'm not playing. God bless you. I respect the hell out of you. Just don't tell me, hey, man, if you're going to cut me to $8 million, I'll play if you make it 9 To me, that's a BS move. David Kaplan uh, joining us each and every Wednesday. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible. Cap, thank you. See ya. See ya. David Kaplan joining us from uh, Chicago. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Uh, CenturionStoneOfIowa.com. That's where you can find all the selections. The showroom uh, is closed. Uh, if you're looking for manufactured or natural stone, projects are still going on. Accent or updating your exterior or your interior of any size. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Variety of styles, patterns, and colors. Over 200 of them. That will meet your every need. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Uh, dot com Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy and does so on a weekly basis. All right, good stuff with Cap. The governor of the state of Iowa, she's scheduled to join us at 11 o'clock. Vinny Iyer, Trent and I will get into the NFL at the bottom of the hour. NFL making plans, particularly the California teams. What's going to happen uh, to the California-based franchises? Where will they play their home games? As we take you up until noon, it's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.